welcome everyone here to your service this morning. Should we open with number one?
nice to see everybody out this morning. And as the song says, we have reason to rejoice, for Emmanuel has come. He came to this earth. It's interesting because when we were little, we couldn't say 2,000 years. Now it's way over 2,000 years ago he came. So, Emmanuel is come. Shall we open our service in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for a beautiful Sunday morning. We thank Thee for the sunshine and we thank Thee for the, the season, the Christmas season, that special time of year when we remember how it was that our Savior came into this world. We thank Thee for all these things. We thank Thee for friends and family and the necessities of life, all those things that make this natural life good and comfortable. And we remember that these blessings all come from above, come from thy hand. Watch over this gathering this morning. Be with our speaking brother. Open this word unto him and unto each one of us that if we have a need or come to some understanding of the depths of this word, that it would be brought to us clearly. For we know that our Heavenly Father is not the author of confusion. Be with all those that cannot gather around thy word. We often gather sometimes for tradition's sake. Give us that understanding that there's nothing wrong with that, whether we would gather to fellowship around this most powerful word, find guidance, find understanding of the depths of thy word. Give us that peace of mind to know that our sins are forgiven. The work of this baby Jesus that came into this world was accomplished in its fullness and in power. Watch over our nations. Watch over nations across the world. Give the leaders understanding that their positions are given to them of God whatever position it may be, and that his will is that all men would be saved. All men would come to the knowledge that we are sinners and that we have a Savior that has looked after those things. And as we go through this Christmas season, bring these things to our, our enlightenment in our understanding the importance of what it is and was that our Savior came into this world. Hear us now as we pray together that most perfect prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Anyone have a song to continue with? Sixteen. Sixteen? May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It, um, singing that song and, I mean, with the songs that we have and sing, I guess it's good and I guess encouraging that much of what's in there is is from the Bible 
And it brings, as we were singing that last song, it brought to my mind, it said that we are to rejoice all ye citizens of heaven. And to remember that that isn't something that we are looking forward to as Christians. But as Christians, we are already members of heaven. We are living souls that we don't have to look forward with fear to passing from this life to the next because we already know where it is that we are bound. And when we, in our limited ability to understand those things, know and remember that, I believe that it brings to our mind more clearly why it is that we celebrate even this time of year. I I don't think that we, and maybe I say this too often, but it is very limited, our natural mind. We walk in this world and we can compare ourselves to whatever animals there are. And yes, some of them have quite a bit of reasoning even and abilities to figure things out with the right motivation. Anybody who's dealt with cows can recognize how, i use the word dumb, they can be. And yet, they're very motivated by food. And it's amazing what they can figure out to get to where they can eat something. And I don't know how it is that we as people, the thing that should be the greatest motivator, which is this message of salvation, which is Christ. I was, I can't remember what it was that I was looking at or watching or something. I think it was some event, whether it was a, I don't know whether it was a sporting event or something. And there was people who had flown from other parts of the country, paid thousands of dollars to come and watch and be there. And yet, something that is beyond words more important than that could ever be. And people can't bother to, and now I'm being a little bit, I don't know what the word is, simplifying it to the point that it almost isn't right, but can't be bothered to get out of bed on on a Sunday morning because it's unimportant to go and hear about Christ. I was listening as I was doing chores yesterday and they were talking about people I believe it's Santa's Anonymous and there is nothing wrong with it they are doing kind work and they are motivated by helping those that are less fortunate 
And there's people that volunteer to deliver gifts to people, so they will have them on Christmas morning. And as a Christian, it's hard for me to put those things together that yes, it is good to be motivated to help people, and there's some people that aren't even that. And yet, how much more we should be motivated to share the gospel message, share that message of repentance and remission of sins, and how thankful we should be if that message has been imprinted upon our hearts, if we find that at Christmas we are celebrating the fulfillment of a promise of our salvation being brought into accomplishment, we can be sure I don't know exactly, but it's many thousands of years that passed between the time when we look in the Bible when it was first prophesied where Adam and Eve had fallen into sin and God made that promise that he would send a Savior to this time that we commemorate this time of year when that Savior was born. And it tells us that there was many kings and prophets who would have been desired to see that day that those apostles got to witness of Christ, the Word of God here in the flesh and living with us and accomplishing our salvation, accomplishing that we could be forgiven for what we are, of our sin and failures. We have a very gracious and loving God, who is also absolutely sure in doing what he says. And because I, we understand that that promise that he made to Eve, he accomplished, we can be sure that the other promises in this word will be accomplished. And if we will but turn to him, it says, he will draw us to him. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We look around at the trials that go on in the world, and it can be discouraging. We can look at our even day-to-day problems. They can be discouraging. It is why we are encouraged to not focus on those things, but to look to Christ. This is very much a sidetrack from the text that I was going to take this morning, but this thought popped into my head, and it is something that shows how different our natural, my natural reasoning is, I guess, compared to how God works. We remember how in, when they were traveling through the wilderness that God sent his fiery serpents among them, and there was... Many that were getting bit and they were dying from these bites. Moses asked God what to do. He says, take and put a serpent up on a pole. And whoever looks on that will not die, but live. 
And it is a picture of Christ. It was interesting how they took what looked like that very problem that they were dealing with and put it up there and that was their salvation. Christ came and looked exactly like us, this human flesh, which is our problem. And he was put on a cross, and we were encouraged to look to that. Instead of looking at this problem that we are living with. They weren't told to watch out for those snakes and carefully track your way through them. And and if you have a problem, then go and look. No, they were just encouraged to look at that serpent. We are encouraged to look to Christ. Yes, we have problems. Yes, this flesh, it will haunt us till the day we die. No matter how much we try to avoid the pitfalls that there are, they are there. Let us look to Christ. And when we understand how simple that is, let us at this time of year rejoice in in the goodness and graciousness of God. I'm sure we will read maybe a number of times that Christmas story of the angels coming with that message of peace and goodwill to men. Let us remember that it is speaking of that undying portion and be thankful for what God has done for us. For a text this morning, I'm going to read a portion that was kind of in the middle of the text George spoke on last week. It's, I have to say, It's an interesting thing to come at these times of year when we are celebrating Christmas. And and not that it's ever inappropriate to take a text that we would call a Christmas text or even at Christmas to take a text that's outside of that because if we're speaking on them as God gives it is speaking of Christ. But still to take some of these, we've heard them many times. And I guess it feels both comforting and intimidating to have something that is so familiar and to try and bring forth, we do not want something new. May God renew it in our hearts, what it is that we are here to remember. I'll read starting at the 26th verse and I will read through the 56th, reading in Jesus' name. This is from Luke 1. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. 
And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to that word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judea, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And, the, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that does believe, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low decree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent, sent empty away. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Amen. I believe that God put it on even Luke's heart to write these things, that we would be able to read this stuff. And see that there is a difference, that it is very precise. It isn't something that is just some kind of a legend or something that people tell down through time. It was an actual happening. And these things occurred. That we could be... I would hope encouraged to believe. It struck me, I don't know, I'm sure I've maybe mentioned it here before, but back a number of years ago, I had the privilege of, I guess if you say, being the Sunday school chairman and thus, um, I don't know what the word is, but emceeing, if I use that word, the Christmas program. And I 
it struck me that those little ones, they come up and they say their piece. And they just say it, that it's just fact. It's just how it is. And I believe that it gives us a picture of how we as adults, when it says that we are to become as little children, we should just accept and believe these things as that is what it is. It is just plain fact. We see George mentioned the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and John being brought into this world. It is prophesied of him right at the, if you say, the last words of the Old Testament. It, it speaks of him coming. In the end of Malachi, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And it tells us in the New Testament that that was speaking of John coming. And it's interesting how it puts it there. That the fathers would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And I believe that there's a spiritual picture there of us that it would turn, that we would look to our Father, our Heavenly Father. But I also believe that it is an encouragement to us as natural fathers that these matters of salvation, that message of repentance and remission of sin that John brought as preparation for Christ's coming, that we as Fathers would make that message important to our children. And that as children we would take that message as being important and we would take it into our hearts. And know that that message is most important that we could ever hear and know and understand God sends Gabriel, who is an angel, to Nazareth to speak to Mary. We see, or I see, again here, something that's, in my mind, I guess it, it, it reinforces how it is that God works different than I do. My mind says that if I was going to use Mary to bring forth my son and it was prophesied that he was to be born in Bethlehem, I would have made sure that she was born in Bethlehem and that it, she was there beforehand to make sure that all this happened on schedule. Mary, she was from Nazareth, which is a completely different part of Israel from where Bethlehem is. And yet, in spite of that, God knew where she was going to be when Jesus was born. And he had it laid out that she was going to be there. And that that Christ child was going to be born in Bethlehem. And it was so sure, we look at the universe around us, 
and they can using mathematics and mathematics is something that is precise one plus one equals two and if you say one plus one equals three it's not right it's wrong and yet scientists and computers they can take math which is so precise and calculate where the moon is going to be and where the planets are going to be and where the stars are going to be and it is so infinitely precise that it is almost beyond our reasoning God set that up and he knew precisely when Christ was going to come to the fact that in all that happening for thousands of years, it was exactly at the right time that those wise men saw that star and went, and then that star was over Bethlehem. And they went there and found what they were looking for, that that baby was there. And God had put it all in order from the very beginning. It wasn't just some happenstance. The angel comes. She was a virgin, which is something that is prophesied in the Old Testament too. We see that God works on a different time scale than we do. The one king, and I can't turn to it, and, and I should remember his name, but I can't. God says to ask for a prophecy that he would show that God is God. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he used the excuse that he's not going to tempt God. And God makes that, says, nevertheless, I am going to make a prophecy. And he says that a virgin shall bring forth a son and it shall be called Emmanuel. We see that it was many, many hundreds of years after that king died, but it was accomplished. We have the privilege of being able to follow all those things down through history. These are historical events to the point that we could take these things and just use them as history lessons. But how much more can we be thankful to understand that it is, isn't just history. It is the accomplishment of our salvation. The angel comes and he says to Mary, Hail thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. We also with the benefit of history can look back and understand that yes, she was highly favored. She was the one that God chose to bring his son into this world in human flesh. And I'm sure it was a privilege and yet something that is also, I'm sure, in some ways a weight. I don't... This is almost sheer trivia, but any of us who have been parents, how do you deal with and raise a child who's perfect? None of us and none of the ones that we deal with are anything close to that. 
and it seems like a good thing, and maybe easy, I don't know. But I also, I would bet that when this angel came to Mary in that time before he came, she didn't feel like anything special. I don't think she stood out in the group of people where she lived. And yet God could see into the heart. And I think it would give us pause to consider ourselves. It isn't important that we would stand out and be someone who stands out in this world. But that we would be someone whose heart stands out to God as something that is good and desiring of Him. God used her because of what she was, where her heart was. And I believe that he would use all of us. And he would desire that we would want to have hearts that are useful to him. We see that when Mary saw Gabriel, it says she is troubled. It seems like every place we look in the Bible... That an angel appears to someone that it brings, if I say fear, there is awe there. It is something, one, that we are not used to dealing with. We are dealing with something that is outside of our natural realm. And I don't think, no matter how bold we are, that we can just very casually deal with those things. And I think it is with all matters of eternity and salvation, it is something, excuse me, that is not to be dealt with casually. They are important and it should cause awe in our heart. But we see, as is the case so many times, that the first message that the angel says to Mary is fear not. Fear not. It is what God wants to put on each and every person's heart. That there is a, to be peace there. Because we're looking to what Christ has done. We're not focused on this failing sinful flesh that we have. But what Christ has done to cover it. That there could be peace. He tells her what is going to happen. Behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And shall bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him. The throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob. Forever and all his and of his kingdom there shall be no end. We know, or maybe I should say, in my natural being, when I hear something's going to happen, I want it to happen now. It seems I'm very impatient with wanting to get things on happening. 
We know from history that even after this angel came, it would have been at least nine months until Jesus was born. And then even from that point, there's a period of there of 30 some years where it seems that there was not a lot happening. I am sure that there was times when Mary and probably Joseph and that they wondered, is this really going to happen? It doesn't seem that there's that he's becoming much of a ruler or that he's getting to where he's going to have a kingdom. I think we need to remember those things and understand that things happen in God's timing. And if we try to speed that up or think that maybe we need to help and instead of just simply being patient and obedient. We look at the story of Abraham and Isaac. And, I mean, well, Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael. Abraham and Sarah were given the promise that they were going to give, be given a son. It was a number of years. Nothing had happened. Sarah decides that, well, maybe we need to help God accomplish this. And they bring Hagar into the picture, and yes, she conceives, and they have Ishmael. And God, Abraham even asked God that, would you look on him with favor that he could be that son you promised? And God says, no, Sarah will bring forth the son. And she did. But we can look down through history and, and it's even, if I say even more evident in the last few weeks, month here, the conflict that has gone on because of that child that was born to Hagar, Ishmael, which is the, as you say, the father of the Arab people and Isaac was the father of the Israelite people. And there's conflict to this day there. It's been a problem. When we try to speed God up, try to help God out, we can cause problems that can have lasting consequences. Let us try to just be patient. Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary knew how children were conceived. She said, how is this going to be? I haven't known a man. The angels answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Jesus wasn't just a natural normal child who was the son of God and it should give us encouragement to see that God came and dwelt in human flesh the same as us so we can be sure that through his spirit he can dwell in each of our hearts and be there 
in spite of how natural we are. And we can trust that and believe that and know that, and it is so. And I believe that there's maybe many reasons why God told Mary about Elizabeth. But I know us as people, if we have something, if I say, a big occurrence, a big secret, big, not necessarily a secret, that's a poor word, but something big in our lives, whether it's good or bad, and in this case it's good, but it doesn't really matter. It is our desire most often to share that with someone and to share it with someone who can relate to what we're saying. He tells, um, Gabriel tells Mary that Elizabeth, her cousin, that she is conceived and she's going to have a son. And we know that Mary, she went and visited with Elizabeth and spent about three months there. It would appear that she stayed there until... Maybe she stayed until John was born. I don't know. It does not tell us. But till very close till he was at the very least. And then he makes a statement here and we see that we know that in the context here it is pointing towards Jesus being born. It is pointing towards John being born. But I think it is something for us to remember Maybe each and every day that we walk here and we look at things that seem overwhelming or impossible that they could be fixed or taken care of. Gabriel tells Mary, for with God nothing shall be impossible. It doesn't matter how difficult something looks to us that maybe we need to, as Sarah and Isaac did, we need to help God out. No, God can handle it on his own. He only asks that we would be humble and obedient. If we look at that in that context of Abraham and Sarah, how unhumble is that to think that well maybe I need to help God that he would be able to fulfill his promise we don't we simply need to be obedient God asks that we be humble thankful when we fall into sin that we were contrite and that we would seek him Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. I find it interesting here that it it adds into this little thing. It doesn't just say that she went to see Elizabeth, but it says that she went with haste. It was important. It, it she went in a hurry to see her. It was exciting. It should be to us also that if there is an opportunity to go and share, if I say that message that Christ 
is coming. That's what the message that Mary had. We have that message that Christ has come and it is for all of people. That if we have the opportunity or it is put on our heart to go and share that with someone that we would do it with haste. That it would be important to do it. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. We have that debate in the world around us. And as Christians, we know and understand how absolutely ridiculous it is. And yet here we have a, I say, a very biblical example that gives us, if I say, assurance that we are on the right track and that we know the truth. And the debate I'm talking about is, is a baby in the womb really a human being? Is it really alive? Is it really something that needs to be protected and cared for? And the reality of it is, how ridiculous. Here we see, it said, as it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. That baby that was in Elizabeth, it was just six months along. And yet when Elizabeth's ears hear Mary's voice, that babe leapt in her womb. It recognized its salvation. Let us remember that. When God dwells within us, and that spirit is there. When we speak and are motivated by God to speak, it can bring joy to those who hear that message. It is just how it is. There is power in the word. And when it is living and moving, it can cause joy. And it can cause hearts to rejoice. And I'm sure we have experienced that. It happens in, I'm sure, many different ways. I've experienced sitting and listening to a sermon. And it just causes joy in my heart and rejoicing. The beautiful message that comes forth. Or we can be talking to someone. And they can say some, perhaps... Seemingly, probably to them, simple thing about what is going on in their world, in their life, in their heart. And it can bring joy to our hearts and rejoicing. Because it is something that is happening. And the Spirit is moving. That little baby in Elizabeth's womb, it, it knew the presence of its Lord and Savior. They are living beings. We know that. It says, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I have been around individuals who have came into faith. I remember a man that we were talking to, actually driving with and visiting with in Russia, and he had been in faith for... I can't remember. It was a very short period of time. It was like three months or six months. And he'd lived a very rough and ungodly life before that. And God had been of no importance in his life. And yet God had been gracious and brought faith into his heart. And as we were visiting, it was very quickly evident that God had blessed this man with wisdom through the spirit that was beyond, in my mind, beyond the time that he had been a Christian. Yes, as we walk as Christians, we are encouraged to grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ. But God, through the spirit, can give understanding that is more than we can learn in that time frame at times. And we see here, I believe that that spirit that came on Elizabeth brought those understanding into her mind and into her heart. That this was her, the mother of her Savior. It wasn't just her cousin Mary that had come who had some wonderful news. It was wonderful beyond anything any other message it was her salvation was being accomplished through Mary and she says for lo as soon as the voice of thy salvation sounded in mine ears the babe leapt in my womb for joy there wasn't any question even in her mind why John had leapt in her womb It was because joy at being in the presence of Christ. And I pray that it could be such with us. That when we are in the presence of someone who has that spirit of God dwelling in them, that there could be joy there. No matter what is going on in the world around us. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I believe that she is encouraging Mary that those things that God told you, they are going to happen. And I believe that it gives us insight on how we are to deal with each other. We are to encourage each other. Encouraged to believe that message that God has told us. If he has put something on your heart, encourage whoever it is to listen to that. Be obedient to that. Mary speaks here and says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, 
for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She was happy and joyful in what God was using her for. And she recognized that she, she is blessed. It is so with all of us. When, when the Spirit of God dwells in us, we are blessed. We are blessed beyond what we deserve. But through the grace of God, we are still that blessed. Because we have the understanding of salvation. And that it is accomplished for me. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. It tells us in a number of places we are to fear the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If we are seeking God and desiring that we would overcome evil, it says that God has mercy. And not only on us, but it says from generation to generation. When that message of God's mercy, we know it for ourselves. We are to share it with, if I say, the next generation. We are to share it with our children. And our children's children. That they could know that also. And that message of salvation and what God has done for them would be instilled in their hearts at a young age. That it would stay there (coughs) through all their life. I I have had, I say, the privilege of hearing that message from as long as I can remember, from the time I was born. And it is something to be thankful for and walked with that faith Always. And it is something that I only know from talking to people. But it is such a blessing to be able to walk in faith all of your life. And it doesn't make a person any better or any worse. Whether we walk from childhood or come into faith even late in life. It is a privilege but I believe that there is many sorrows that are avoided by walking a walk of faith from even childhood. And we see the troubles that not being obedient to God causes in the world around us. And as parents, it would be our desire to instill that message upon those little hearts that they could avoid those things. That God would be gracious to them and guide them all their life. (coughs) 
He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. It's an interesting way how these things are put. We see that it isn't that God just scatters them. It's that what they start thinking in their hearts and imagining and, and, and it takes them off on a tangent away from God. They are scattered from that straight and narrow way that God would desire people to stay on and mankind to walk on. We get our own thoughts, our own reasoning, come up with all sorts of things that leads us astray. Says he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. It isn't that we have to be someone wonderful and high and mighty for God to look upon us. We see that Mary, she was just, if I say, a lowly girl, young lady. God used her to bring Christ forth. It isn't that we have to be someone of status to be of value and God to use us. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. We read even at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, that blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. If there is a hunger in a heart for that message of salvation, God will feed it. God will bring food there. And even as Christians, when we hunger for that undying food, God will provide. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake unto our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. We understand that there is the natural Jews that are the children of Abraham. We read in, in that story of Abraham, and God comes and twice gives him and says, if you can count the sands on the sea, that's how many of your offspring there will be. And then he says, same thing with the stars of heaven, that that uh, same as that your, shall be your descendants. And I believe we see there a, a difference that Abraham is viewed in two ways. He had natural descendants, which we are not that. But he is also called the father of faith. And if we have faith in Christ, we are his spiritual descendants. And these things apply to us. God is with us always. Jesus said, and I already quoted that, I will be with you always. He will care for us. If we don't start to follow the things of our imagination, if we just humbly be obedient to this word. So then Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Mary was here with Elizabeth till about the time John was born. Then it appears that she went back to 
Nazareth, and I don't, we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us the time frame of when her and Joseph were married. We read in, in um, Matthew there that an angel came and spoke to Joseph and says that he is to marry her. But then God brings them, and as I already mentioned, he arranges even through Caesar, who was not a godly man. He was someone who was, if we look at it, a bit of a tyrant, a dictator in our terminology. And he used him to accomplish that Jesus was born where he said he would be born, in Bethlehem. What God says will happen. Let us trust that and just humbly be obedient and walk with our eyes focused on Christ and not these trials and not this flesh that we deal with. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Someone have a song we can close with? We'll close with 98. And I'll mention that um, there's potluck for those who wish to partake. And I'll ask maybe after the song of Georgia to say grace for it. Um, I don't know, is anyone able to have Bible study this week? We didn't have last week because everyone's busy and things like that, but I was just around Christmas time. And also, we, I was given an executive decision that we'll just put off potluck because of all the happenings until into the New Year, so the first Sunday after New Year. So. And then Gail also mentioned that she's going to have her um, New Year's open house. So New Year's Day, Gail has an open house for all of them. Are there any other messages? Shall we close with 